0: The scripture today is Matthew twenty eight five through six. Please read with me. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he, he is risen, and he seen. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. This time, we'd like the deacons, deaconesses, the shepherdesses, and the elders to come forward. We'd like to have a a prayer of dedication. And uh, as a church, I know it's a little late, but um, I think it's very important to do this, especially after we're coming uh, to a place where we're gathering together more and wanting to serve God. So it's always customary. Whenever we have something that we're about to do, that we start with prayer. And that's what we're going to do today. And I'm going to ask Elder Titus if he would come up and he would offer the prayer for dedication for our leaders. It's a wonderful thing to see uh, different generations. And uh, majority of them are familiar faces to me. And I see spiritual gifts. I see desires uh, to serve the Lord in our church here, in our community in, in Madison area, and also in Wisconsin Conference. Because Madison is one of the most important uh, churches we have in Wisconsin Conference. Uh, many of you are involved in a variety of ministries that are beyond this church. Uh, CAM meeting, uh, um, Wisconsin Academy, different committees, and uh, support in prayers for everything we do here, and not just in Wisconsin, in uh, beyond our state. I am super happy to see uh, not just our leaders here, but everyone in the pews, because every one of us has a specific spiritual gift. And by God's grace, this church is blessed to provide opportunities for those spiritual gifts to be used for God's glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity we have to worship you, to be in your presence, to enjoy wonderful fellowship with one another, but mostly, Lord, at this point, to dedicate your servants to your ministry. You know every one of them. You have a specific call to salvation to every one of us, and especially to them. At the same time, you have a call to ministry for them. And Lord, thank you so much for their desire, their willingness to spend time, energy, and different other resources for your ministry here, for your glory. Please continue to bless them, keep them healthy, safe, bless their families. And also, Lord, everything they do for you. And we want them to do not in their strength and their power. We want the Holy Spirit to be in the part of their lives. We want them to be transformed according to Jesus' character. And we want you to work through them, to bless them, and through them to bless others. I also pray for every member of our church here. I pray for every family member, wherever they are at this point. I pray for guests, for those who... Attend regularly for those who uh, watch online. And Lord, we want to grow as a community of believers. We want to support each other. And we want to allow you to transform us uh, for uh, your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. May God bless you. OK, I try to um, get used to the new official remote. Madison Church finally has it. Congratulations on the new remote. I hope, I hope it works. I need, I need, probably I need to take a class to, to take care of it. If someone can help me with this. Um, friends, thank you so much for, for coming to church today, Rosina and I. Uh, we are so blessed to come and visit Sebastian Church. And um, to see you once again, to see familiar faces, uh, faces but mostly to see uh, people who I never saw them before. This church uh, grows. This church is a wonderful op- uh, creates some wonderful opportunities for multi- uh, intergenerational ministries. And as, you, as I see young people, uh, our beautiful young ladies uh, leading the worship in everyone, uh, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. This is a blessed uh, place, um, and uh, I uh, I thank you so much for your ministry, and also as I mentioned before, for your involvement beyond this church. Wisconsin Academy is our our school. No local church can take care of Wisconsin Academy. There, are, there we don't have resources in one church. Uh, Wisconsin Academy Church take care of Wisconsin Academy plus P- uh, Peterson School. It's our school. And the whole conference has to take care of that uh, school. And also, guess what? Camp Kanda is like a vacation place for all of us. It's a spiritual vacation place. Uh, it takes all of us to take care of that. For years, we didn't do major projects there. But at this time, we decided for two years in a row, this year and next year, to change Camp Akanda to upgrade Camp Akanda. And for instance, we have tents, and it costs $30,000 to replace the tents. No more tents, because we have permanent buildings for our uh, children. We need to fundraise. We, need, we still need money for, for that project. And also, um, thank you so much for your involvement. And it's not just during Maranatha uh, time. Many of you came before that time. Every other Sunday, we had people there. and also. Um, we have opportunities during summertime, during uh, fall time, in next year, as I mentioned. Uh, next project, big project, will be to replace the medical center. If you go there, the medical center there now, you get sick. <laughs> um, and this fall after camp meeting, we have to erase that building entirely and rebuild another medical center, plus a shop. Um, It takes all of us, as I can tell you, it is such enthusiasm at camp at this point. I see pathfinders, I see young people, I see retirees, I see people from outside the conference coming there and having a wonderful time there. That's why I want to tell you, thank you so much. And if you want to donate money, you are more than welcome right now. And also, if you want to join Rosina tomorrow, um, for uh, work be there. It's wonderful. May God continue to bless you. Uh, special thanks to Pastor Nelson. He invited me here today when he said, can you come to Madison East? I said, whoa, wonderful. I never, I never say no. We are so grateful for uh, um, Pastor Nelson here, grateful for the ministry of the conference office, for their family involvement in everything they do here. And uh, um, we hear positive, positive, News from Madison is as always. In, we love it. We celebrate with you, and as uh, you celebrate with us. Okay. Uh, Oh, that means I am deceived because I was looking at the TV, and the TV has a different sermon. Um, What do you do before a big test? I was here in Madison as a pastor when the conference called me and said, "Do you want to go back to school to uh, be involved in doctoral program?" I said, no way. I I want to read whatever I want. I don't want tests. I don't want books, reviews. I don't want four years to be back in school. But uh, after two weeks, uh, Pastor Case called me again. Hey, I was um, walking with Rosina in our neighborhood there. When he called me again, hey, did you think to go back to school? We paid the full tuition. The conference will pay full tuition. And you'll be the first pastor... Uh, that we do that for you. When I heard about the first pastor, I thought another, uh, I took another moment, and I said, OK, I'll go back to school. I applied for my program at Andrews, and they discovered that I missed two classes to, in order to qualify to be allowed to be part of the doctoral program. One, it was about mission, and one about intermediate Greek. I was 50 years old. I took the first class of Greek when I was 24. <laughs> I said, no way, no way, no way. And guess what? Because I'm a full-time pastor, I couldn't go to Andrew's State the class on a daily basis. I had to take it online. Good luck if you take a class, a, a foreign language class online, with a teacher that has just the DVDs. He sent us the DVDs, watch the DVD. And also the tests were online. Fifteen minutes test, and timed, and you have to respond back and forth. Open book, you can have all the books in the world in a, in Greek. I remember, I had a test. I have one test. I took one hundred percent. I said yes, I can do it. I can do it. Next test was forty oh. percent. Yeah, it was normal. It was normal, that was my level. Because I forgot everything the, the Greek one. And then I started better, better, better. I had all the sticky notes on the papers, on the walls, and everything, and it, all everything. I was at camp meeting while I'm doing camp pitch. Greek, 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 Greek. Then I get 100% again. Then next test, 40% again. And everything was closer. Uh, I, I got into, uh, not depression, but because I'm an achiever. I don't want to lose tests. And I prayed. I started to pray, Lord, I want to see, because that's the minimum. I want to see. I want, because my, I don't want to speak Greek. I want to go to this program for a purpose. And uh, I went to Andrews. I found a professor. I went there one day and a half, and they told me what to do, how to speed up the process. But the big test was supposed to be at the end. And that was 75% of the whole importance of the whole grade. That was very important. And the teacher I had, he was not communicating with us. Nothing, just the DVDs he sent us, and that was it. And I couldn't have anyone to communicate with. You know, I, I, I said, I don't know if I'll go to the doctoral program with this Greek or not, but uh, anyway. It happened that the professor, he gave us always test, difficult tests to uh, analyze biblical passages from the book of uh, Ephesians, Corinthians, Romans, difficult books of the Bible, never from the Gospels, never from for the familiar uh, places in the scripture that, I'm, that I know them uh, very much. But in the end, the professor died. I didn't pray about it. (laughs) He died. And someone took his place. In the last last, uh, exam, I got only from the Gospels. I know Romanian. I know some English. In a little Greek. And I took a B. But I can tell you, friends, I prayed as never before for those tests. Never before for the toast. That's why I, I try to preach today about it. I found on internet, this is a, the first part of the sermon is for young people. All the others, you can go to sleep for a while. I found on internet on some forums. What, someone asked, what do you do before a big test to calm you down? I am so some nervous. Someone wrote down, probably teenagers, what do you do? In some answers. I. I do what I do on a normal day. For me, school comes easy. So I skim through the no- my notes once or twice, remember key stuff my teacher said, and do it all right before I go to sleep. I wake up in the morning, eat a good breakfast, so my mind isn't on my stomach, and I go to take the test. Another one, I've always found it benefits for me to not stay up all night studying and get a good rest instead. Go in the class knowing your study sufficiently for it. And don't even bother looking at your book or notes. Just go in, take it, and live it. Clear your mind, but not even thinking about your test uh, or that subject a few hours before the test. Another one. Lay down flat on your back. Tense your whole body up for 10 seconds. Relax. Start with your muscles in your face. Focus on relaxing your eyes, cheeks, mouth. Then move on down to your neck, shoulders, arms, fingers, probably shoes as well, until you reach the tips of your toes. Relax, breathe easy, get a good night's sleep, and eat a good breakfast in the morning of the test. Close your eyes, take a deep breath, release it slowly, begin test, do it best, good luck, Jane." I don't endorse what I write, or what is on my screen, but this is what young people say about how to get ready for a big test. Another one, there is some research about aroma whales to smell while studying them. Wailing up before the test, maybe on a finger or piece of paper to smell during the test for improved memory recall. The percentage improvement for the test takers was 13%. I don't know what scents are better. You know, that's why teachers right now they find a lot of Smell in the classrooms because students, they are creative. Another one said, relax, study hard, get a good night's sleep. Eat breakfast, relax, meditate, maybe depending on how big the test is. Chew gum and pray. I like that one. <laughs> you have to do something. You have to chew the gum. And let the God, God do the rest. What do you do before a big test. Now, majority of us are not in school anymore. Praise God, I finish all my school, hopefully. (laughs) But not a test in exams in my life. When we go to a doctor, it's a big test. When we go to job, one day or another, it's a big test even in our families we have big tests you know my heart and know my my thank you we have tests every time some of them are important some are not that much important what do we do what is test anxiety some of us Remember those days when you had test anxieties. And there are some students. They cannot go beyond that because of this this experience. Test anxiety is a psychological condition in which people experience extreme distress and anxiety in testing situations. It can actually impair learning and hurt test performance. Uh, It consists of psychological over-arousal, often term emotionality. Somatic signs include headaches, stomach aches, nausea, diarrhea, excessive sweating, shortness of breath, and you see all of them on the screen. Second is worry and dread. You see on the screen fear of failure, random thoughts, feeling of inadequacy, self-condemnation, negative self-talk, frustration, comparing oneself unfavorable to others. I remember when I was in Romania, because I was competitive, I have two classmates. We were in competition. And they announced in public the grades. Everyone knew whatever, everyone. And they didn't get my name. And I said, they got 10 because we had, that was from 1 to 10. That was the A. And they got 10. And I was so nervous until I got my 10. If I took 9, I didn't like that because I was in competition with them. Impairment, poor concentration, going blank or freezing, confusion, poor organization, the inability to concentrate leads to impaired per- performance on tests. We're different, and we respond or react differently to any type of circumstances in, in, in our lives. I use these tests in schools to illustrate for all of us how people react or overreact or respond to different circumstances in our lives. I may be OK. I may have an experience or knowledge, but others not. They have anxiety when they get a wrong diagnosis. I may trust God on the the, uh, the beginning of the journey, but others not. That's why we need to understand we are different. We respond differently to any circumstances in our lives. And we have to love each other, support each other, through those uh, journeys, who's likely to have test anxiety? Students who worry a lot. This is my mom. Students who are perfectionists. Students who aren't prepared for tests. <laughs> yeah, they should. They should have anxiety if they don't prepare for tests. Uh, I know some students. They never. They buy the all expensive textbooks, 200 dollars, or. 250, and they never open them? You should have some anxiety three months before the test, another night before the test. Students who associate grades with self-worth, students who are under social pressure because of parents' peer pressure, uh, as I mentioned. How can I be ready for the major exams in my life? And, uh, I found on internet this uh, uh, slide, 10 biggest life decisions. If you can see from the back of the church, uh, number one, education. Second, the industry to start your career in, find your niche, choose your life partner, having children, where are you going to live, how and where to invest, giving back um, to help others, think about your legacy, living to the fullest. Religion is not on this slide. But what do you do before a major decision in your life? What do you do? How do you prepare for that? Um, Dr. Adrian Camilleri presents four uh, several features of a big life decisions. They involve much thinking, I suppose. Their outcome is uncertain. You make the right decision. You have the best wishes for you and for others, but you don't know how that will go. They challenge our moral morals and values, and there is a significant investment of resources. And they impact multiple areas of life in people. They have many consequences, and they are difficult to uh, cancel them. I don't want to talk about anything that's on the screen, but every decision we make in life will affect not just ourselves, our families, friends, and the entire context we live at that point. That's why sometimes the mantra in our society is, I don't care about what other people believe. I care about just myself. I want to be happy, and I want to experience pleasure in my life. But every decision we make will bring happiness or unhappiness to people uh, they love us especially parents, close friends, church members. Today, because we are in a church, we are not in a classroom, I would like to uh, invite you to open your scriptures to Joshua chapter 5, 13 to 15. And we find the basic preparation when we face major challenges or major tests in our life. Everything is brand it's new to us. It's not new to us, I'm sorry. We know this, but I wanted to uh, present this passage because it provides wonderful principles for daily uh, uh, experiences we may have. And I have on the screen, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. We don't talk about all the chapter. If you look uh, to the prior verses you see there, God instructed Joshua to circumcise all people of Israel, men, and also to celebrate uh, Passover. That was the, the end of the experience they had during the wilderness. In the beginning of a new life. Of a new experience on the promised land. And Joshua did exactly how the Lord said. And they were supposed the next day to physically step into the promised land. What does it mean promised land for us? It's, the, um, it's that experience that brings salvation. And with that salvation we have peace, we have happiness. Uh, we, this is the dream place, the promised land. Before promised land, they were supposed to be circumcised. That means, for sure, they wanted to re- recommit their lives to God, and also to have a, a Passover. To concentrate on the uh, sacrifice. Passover means eating the lamb during that time, and lamb symbolizes Jesus. And they were supposed to not concentrate on themselves, but concentrate on the, on the offering, on Jesus. And before that, uh, um, God instructed Joshua in all the commandments and all the rules they were supposed to follow. As you see here, after Joshua did that, he stepped outside the camp. And this is principle number one. When you face a struggle, a stressful situation pray, rededicate your life to God, look at Jesus as the, the offering for everything and for your situation, and then get outside the camp. What does it mean? You don't focus on anything. You don't focus on next step. You don't focus on yourself. Go outside the camp by yourself. Don't take anyone with you. And uh, there is, uh, in, in um in Christianity, the practice of solitude. This is very important. Most of the times, we are in the middle of uh, events. We are busy with a lot of things. And not many times, we practice solitude. Solitude means going outside the camp and meditate. Pray and mostly paying attention to God's voice during that time. And Joshua does that. And during this time, he encounters a stranger. You A know, stranger is not familiar, and also he has a sword, and he's ready to attack Joshua. And you see the question he has, are you for us or for our adversaries? Where, who are you? How I am I supposed to relate to you? Am I supposed to take my, my sword to fight with you, or I can join you, or you can join us? in our endeavor for tomorrow. But he said, no, I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and I have now come. What does it mean? I'm not here to support you. I'm not here to fight against you. I am here to tell you what you need to do. Friends, most of the times when we relate to God, we want to take God. As a helper, to consider him as a helper. God, I have this problem. I have this issue. I encountered this situation in my life and I need your help. Please help me. It's normal. I have the same prayer. Always, when I pray, help me, help me, help me. But Jesus said, I'm not a helper. I'm not here to help you. I'm here to tell you what to do. And you are the one who will accept my responsibility because I am the captain of the Lord's army, and I came with some orders for you. Friends, I know you don't like the idea of being in the military service. I've done that for 16 months. And when we are in the military service, you have uh, commanders and you have officers, and they tell you what to do. You, cannot, you don't have time to tell it, is it right or not. They tell you from the beginning, you have to obey orders even if they are wrong. And later, you have to report to another superior commander. But at that point, you have to obey the orders. This is the military. Otherwise, you cannot fight any, any uh, wars. If everyone will say, I don't like that order. I am not comfortable with this. and OK? That's why we have here, Jesus is the commander of the army and he came to tell Joshua what to do. Second part of this passage, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Friends, this is another principle I see in this passage. I meditate, I take the solitude experience outside the camp, I encountered Jesus, and I asked him what I am supposed to do. Friends, this is a very dangerous question you may ask. Don't ask that question if you are not willing to do what Jesus tells you to do. But if you do it, if you ask that question, he may tell you something that you don't like it. That's why we ask God to be our helpers, because we have the plan, we have the strategy, you know, we want God's reinforcement. We want God's energies and God's resources to support our plans and our strategies. But when, according to Joshua, we um, fall on our face to the, to the earth at the bottom and worship and ask, what does my Lord says to his servant? That's a vulnerability. In friends, You have experiences with God. I don't give you the microphone today to allow you to say, to present those experiences, but you have them. Whenever you came in uh, humility, in God's presence, and you say, Lord, this is my life. This is my situation. Take it. I submit totally to you. You had a great experience. You had had stories uh, to tell. And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, he didn't say, take your sword. He said something else. Take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Why? They were were in the, I don't know, wilderness still. They were outside. They didn't have any carpets, any hardwood floors, anything special there. Take your sandals off. It was a uh, uh, a symbol of total dependence and reverence and respect for God's presence. When was the last time when you took your sandals off? In your humbleness, in your desire, To follow the Lord. In Joshua, the Bible said, indeed so. And by the way, Joshua, it's a symbol of Jesus' ministry. Jesus came and extended the ministry of Joshua. Of bringing God's people into the promised land. We have Jesus and Joshua. The type and antitype. That illustrates what God wants to do to all of us, especially to move us into his kingdom. Joshua, before a big test, he was trained in experience. He was chosen by God. He did his homework well. He applied all the principles and followed all the directions. And now he was ready for guidance. Ellen White mentions in Patriarchs and Prophets, to reduce Jericho was seen by Joshua to be the first step in the conquest of Canaan. But first of all, he sought an assurance of divine guidance, and it was granted him. Withdrawing from the encampment to meditate and to pray that the God of Israel would go before his people, he beheld an armed warrior of lofty stature in commanding presence with his word drawn in his hand. Um, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Sport. I don't know. Even conference presidents, when they go in other places, they meet other conference presidents, and it's a game there. I don't care about soccer or American football. Or I may enjoy seeing something. I may cheer for the losing team. But some people are very passionate, very passionate. Chicago Bears. and. Well, Wisconsin Packers, they cannot see each other. Which one? Are, we with, are you with us or against us in sport? In politics? In lately, friends? Lately, friends, even in our church, members and members on both sides, different sites on Facebook and at different places. Are you with us or against us? And when someone has a divorce, it's hard to pick one. I would like to be friends with both of them. But those who are in divorce, who are part of the divorce, they say, no, pick me against him. But we are common friends. We want to be together. Nope, pick me and hate the other. What about religion? Are you with us or against us? Different theological c- concepts or practices. This is the way we operate. Are you with me or against me? But the message was, no, no, none of that. Rather, indeed, I come now as a captain of the host of the Lord. We try to ask God to support us rather than to submit and follow him. And God doesn't take sides, but wants to be in charge as the supreme commander. Whenever you have a disagreement with someone, think of... Two times of this. It's neither you or the other person. It's God. And He has a different way of solving that, that problem. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. A sign of servanthood, a sign of respect, a sign of submission. And first Peter says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. I don't know what happens in your life right now. I don't know what you face at this point. But if you are before a big test, before a big exam or in the middle of exam, you have several principles from the word of God, how you handle that. I remember I was in Romania after I came from the military service and the pastor's wife, during that time, told me, Titus, there is a high school. Everyone wants to send me to school. I don't know why. <laughs> pastor's wife came to me, Titus, there is a high school in town. Uh, it was doing communism, of course, that has a condensed high school because I couldn't finish high school during my time for Sabbath keeping. I had exams on Sabbath, and I couldn't go, and I went to... Uh, uh, military service, I came back, I was 21. Um, and this lady, because she wanted me to go to the seminary, you cannot go to the seminary without finishing high school. And uh, it was after five years, after I finished my half of high school. And uh, I was a gifted painter, I had a lot of money, I uh, became soon an elder in church, and I said, I don't know, I don't think I need to go to I can serve God and his church from this position and I like what I'm doing. I don't want to go back to school. But she insisted, I don't know, some pastors' wives are very annoying. They don't let why are you laughing? But this is true. And the right and a good positive annoying. And she said, Titus, I just called that high school. They have they still have eleven spots available. Uh, um, for the next class they want to organize. And because she was insisted, I said, OK, I'll go and register. It was entrance exams. In Romania, I had entrance exams for everything. And even after you finish high school, other exams to get out of high school and so on. In France, I didn't have time to, to go back and restudy everything I've done until 10th grade. I didn't have time. Plus, I was not that motivated. But I have a very good relationship with God during that time. I still, I remember a young person being, I woke up early in the morning when the Holy Spirit told me to wake up. Three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, depends on. And I had a room for myself, and I went there, I studied the scripture. I wrote a lot of sermons during that time after my devotional time with the Lord. In that morning, it was the morning of the, the test, I said, Lord, I don't open the biology book or the math book, I just opened the scripture today. I don't remember what I've studied that morning, but I said, if you want me to go to the seminary, if you want me to go and take this exam, please help me. And I went to the, I took the test. I, I was not first. But not the last, I was the sixth place, sixth place. I couldn't believe that. I went, I did that high school in three years instead of two, because it was a different arrangement. And uh, communism fell, I finished high school. And when I went, I had another exam, other tests at uh, seminary. I was sure God wants me there. When you have a big test, don't focus on Jericho. Don't try to look around the city, how I can attack the city. In Google, find information about your situation. Ask other wise people to tell you what they've done in a similar situation. But most of all, get outside the camp, be in God's presence, remove your shoes, worship him and he will. Take control of that situation. He will do the war instead of you. And you know from the history, what they've done? They had a hallelujah hustle around, around Jericho. And God did miracles for them. Friends, this is Christianity. This is Adventism. This is what we are called to do and to have a good relationship with God, do our part, follow his directions, and he will take control. He's the commander, he's the, cha- the captain, and we will follow him. I wish all young people, all children, will continue to have a deeper and a deeper relationship with God, no matter what happens in, the, in their lives. Yes. And even if they fail, and even if they are Situations, Because all of us, I tell you another time, my failures or other failures, nobody's a saint from one point to the other. We are in process of sanctification. We grow spiritually every day. Even if we fail, we still come back. Go. We come back to what the Bible says. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety upon him. Because he cares for you. More than you care for yourself. More. He cares for you. May God bless all of you. May God bless all family members wherever they are. May God bless guests. In everything you do for his glory. And let's write the book of Joshua for ourselves. With God in His presence. Amen.